It's time now for the complete story with Evan Fowler, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Eben Fowler with today's complete story. Well, this is Eben Fowler along with Rich Bott. We are in Washington, D.C. at the Values Voter Summit. It's an annual event that's put together by the Family Research Council, and we'll be bringing you some interesting people in uh, the next couple of programs. Rich, uh, what have you seen thus well, far? Well, Eben, this is just getting underway, and it's so exciting to see the folks that we're, we're seeing in the hallways and, and meeting as, as the uh, events just begin, and today uh, our very first guest is is just tremendous. Why don't you tell us about her? Well, Michelle Bachman. Yeah, you probably have heard that name if you listen to Bot Radio Network at all, and if you listen to Understanding the Times yes, with, with Jan, Jan Markell. Markell. Uh, Michelle Bogman is a frequent guest, and we welcome her to this broadcast. So glad you could t- take a little bit of time out of your schedule to be with us today. Thank you so much. What an exciting forum this is at the Value Voters Summit. People come from all over America. They're really excited about this window of opportunity that God has given us. It seems he's given us a reprieve in our nation in answer to the prayer of believers. So I'm thrilled to be able to be with you oh, and with Matt Radio. Barry McGuire says we've been granted a reprieval for revival. Amen. It's like, like God kept the door That's of religious right. liberty open for us to be able to proclaim his word That's to this right. generation in the days that we have left. That's and, right, Rich. And you, uh, Michelle, you are a great American. Our, our listeners have a chance to hear you on Jan Markell's program. But there is a wonderful story about you and how you were willing to step forward and uh, and be available to, to be in the U.S. Congress. Uh, tell us about that well, real quick. Well, that's true. That's I just, was, just a remarkable story true. how God placed you in the right place at the right time and you were willing I was a full-time homemaker. We had five biological children, and we had 23 foster children we were raising. And it was really because of my foster children, I saw the nonsense they were bringing home in the backpack. So it's not, not that you weren't already busy. No, I was very busy. I'd been a federal tax attorney. I mean, we had a full plate. But the long and short of it is um, the Lord took me into um, trying to figure out what happened with our local school system. And as a result of that, people urged me to run for the Minnesota State Senate and then on from there to the United States Congress. And so it, all of this happened very quickly, but I had known the Lord since I was 16 years old. And the one blessing that believers have is that when, when the still small voice of the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we have the privilege of responding and saying yes. And when we do, we have no idea what the Lord will do with our life. As I remember, there was a meeting and you showed up and there was nobody that was going to run against this incumbent right. that, that really needed to be replaced. It was actually a Republican who was acting like a Democrat who is no longer pro-life and voting for every liberal thing that there was. And people said, you know what? He's stopping uh, conservatives. We need someone to take him on. And they turned and they pointed at me. And um, I was not suited up, dressed, hadn't even asked my husband permission. And I gave a five-minute speech. And the current sitting senator gave a five-minute speech. And they took a vote. And in a supermajority, over 60% in the first vote, I was endorsed. How do you undo an endorsement? So I was on my way before I even knew what I had done. Wow. You're in the right place at the right time. And you're willing uh, to step up and serve. And the Lord used to. And he's still using you in a remarkable way. So it's been a while since you've officially been here in the swamp, but tell us what (laughs) what kinds of changes have you seen since the election, and and then tell us about what you're doing these days. Yeah, well, the biggest uh, change that's happened is that we no longer have a Democrat administration under Barack Obama, so the transformation that he has intended for the country has come to a halt for the time being, and so now the country has... Thank the Lord. And thanks to your listeners who fervently prayed and were on their knees and actively worked to make that come about. We are God's hands and 
thousand feet, and he used your listeners to make that happen. Um, I've been for two years speaking across the country and across the world on a lot of these topics that believers are concerned about. Uh, I was speaking in Jerusalem on on June seventh of this year for the fiftieth reunification of Jerusalem, and at that event, I was asked by a pastor from San Diego if I would be willing to head up a new Jim Jim Garlow. Jim Garlow, yes, from Skyline Church and the Garlow perspective that our listeners here. Um, to thank you. And uh, I was asked by him to head up a new ministry and found a new ministry at the UN to bring wor- weekly worship in the word to the UN, to bring in biblical speakers, to give a biblical perspective. There is not a biblical perspective that comes into the UN now. And also to be a voice to stand up for Israel and the Jewish people and the Jewish state. And so I prayed about that. And that is now what I am doing. We've been doing this for two weeks now. We have we spent 40 days in the run up in fasting and prayer and now we're watching the Holy Spirit unfold his work and so we have our meeting now weekly we've had our second meeting of worship and the word at the UN and we are asking God to open the doors I was going to ask you how it's going but it's a little too early probably to determine that but but how, how are you being accepted well, I think that there is an acceptance because there are very serious, mature believers mm. who are crying out to the Lord on behalf of the nations. Because, you know, Jesus says in the parable of Matthew 25 that one day all the nations of the earth will be brought down into the valley of decision, the valley of Jehoshaphat. And the way that Jesus will judge them, the scripture says, is how the nations treat Israel. I can tell you for a fact that the UN, the nations are not very to Israel. And so what we want to be able to do is to allow the Lord to use us to be able to speak into the hearts of the nations, because that judgment will happen. Every word in the Bible Mm. is true. So just as individuals will be judged at the end of time, so too nations will be. We want to bring this message and this knowledge to the nations so that they will have a chance for blessing. So critical. Because Genesis 12, 3 says, whether you're individuals or whether you're nations, if you bless Israel, you will be blessed. Or if you curse Israel, you will be cursed. We want to bring this knowledge to the nations along with the biblical perspective and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are praying for salvations to occur. And so we are inviting everyone that is listening to your show to join us. We are UN nyc.com un-nyc.com we are asking for prayer warriors to join us and you can pray where you are eventually we'd like to bring people into the un so we can walk through the building and pray together and ask god to reveal himself to the nations and to people there we can only bring the word and be his hands and feet he has to do the revealing and so we are we are humble we're broken in our spirit. This is not a place I want to be. I've never liked the UN. I've never been a fan <laughs> of the UN. I said no when I was originally asked to do this. But the Lord broke my heart because I think we're looking at the culmination of history. Yes. And I think we really need to be about the Father's business. And his heart is to bless the nations. But they also need to do be in a place for blessing. Michelle, I'm so excited to talk to, you, talk to you and hear you talk this way because it's not just political conflict, but it really is spiritual it's, warfare. It's oh, yeah. 100% Absolutely. spiritual. So we're not going there to be political. We're going there to be biblical. But as we know, when we go, whether it's to our nation's capital to be biblical or to the UN, it can be construed as political. So be it. We are there to be bold for the gospel of Jesus you, Christ. You were telling me uh, just recently the president has done something with UNESCO. Oh, this is, so, this is total answered prayer, and we give the Lord the glory and credit for this. The United States and Israel have both pulled out of UNESCO, which is the United Nations Cultural Organization. 
They have done nothing but beat up on Israel and pass one negative resolution after another for Israel. They've denied that Israel has any claim to the land which God gave to them. And so now the United States has said, you know what, if that's how you feel about it, we're going to pull out of your UN organization and we're going to take our money with us. Well, let me tell you, if there's anything that catches the intention of people at the UN, it's withdrawing money because there is no larger donor than the United States to these organizations. This was the right thing to do. And again, I want to commend your listeners because if we didn't have President Trump at the helm, in all likelihood, this may not have happened. And we have a good ambassador in Nikki Haley. So praise God for all of that. This is an excellent decision and an answer to believers' prayers. That is so exciting. Michelle Bachman, thank you so much for the work you're doing. Thank you. And and, and I would uh, agree. Let's uh, let's pray for this effort. Fantastic. Thank you. Amen. UN-NYC.com. Well, Rich, up next we have Jeannie Nigro. She's an author and speaker, and, and actually she has been a guest on Washington Watch, one of the times that I guest hosted for Tony Perkins, and she we just ran into her here. And, and she's, she's frequently on uh, Janet Mefford's program here uh, on Bot Radio right. Network. So we're glad you stopped by. Just one of the people we ran into here at the Values Voters Summit in Washington, D.C. going, doesn't yeah, it? I love it. Well, tell us what you're up to. You have a new book out. Yes, I do. It's called Unshaken, Standing Strong in Uncertain Times. And uh, Are these, these uncertain times? Are uncertain times. And, they are. And there are times of shaking, definitely. And so we need to be unshaken in the midst of all the shaking. And we can stand strong. And we can. And God's calling us to. And it's in this book. Tell, tell us about it. Well, you know, I, it... The book came from my fear of the shaking. I was really fearful of what was happening and these end times. And, and so I got to the point of being paralyzed by fear and, and, and asked the Lord, what is going on? Why am I, what, this is not, fear is not from God. And I asked him to show me what lies am I believing about you? Because when we fear, we're always believing a lie about ourselves or about God. And so it was from what he showed me that I wrote this book, uh, because now I'm just passionate about helping people to, or empowering people to stand strong, to look different than everyone else, to not be stressed out, to not be fearful, and to stand strong and be used by God in these times, and partner with God, and be be excited about these times. Because God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. That's right. That's right. right. That's right. And fear is never from God. And it really gives the enemy a handle and ground in our lives. You know, sometimes uh, somebody pointed out to me that every time an angel appears to someone like Mary, or or a different different persons in the Bible, the first words out of his mouth are, fear not. You know, Mm -hmm. don't be afraid. Right, right, right. Exactly. And the other thing is that, you know, sometimes we stress instead, and we think, well, stress is not sin. The Bible doesn't say, do not stress. It says, do not fear, but yet stress is rooted in fear. And so whenever we fear or stress about these times, whether it be uncertain times in the world or in our lives, we need to recognize that we're believing a lie. We're giving the enemy ground, and uh, we need to recognize the spiritual battle that goes on behind the scenes. So this says that the book offers great strategies for finding intimacy with God again, the only true antidote to fear. What are some of those strategies? Mm-hmm. Can you share with us? Sure. Well, first, we've got to recognize what does block intimacy with God, and it's things like fear and stress and frustration and anger. So we've got to recognize the intimacy blockers. I spend a chapter talking about intimacy blockers and recognizing what they are. And then I give really specific details for how do we break through those blockers? Like how do we break through the fear? How do we ask God to show us what lies am I believing? And then confess that and 
and uh, how do we just break free from these blockers and, and experience intimacy with God? And then I spend another chapter on how do we grow closer to God? How do we grow in intimacy with God? And so it's dwelling on the only thing that can't change right now when everything's changing is who God is and how he sees you. So dwelling on that and, and uh, declaring scripture and praying and fasting using spiritual weapons of warfare, all those things are ways of growing closer in intimacy with God. So I look at it as a football game, offense and defense, things so, that we can grow closer and things that we can um, so get those blocks So you initially away. said that the, the inspiration for this book was just the, the things that, the, the fear that you were mm-hmm. experiencing yourself. So mm-hmm. what was the process like? I mean, the things that you've been telling us about are things that we as believers know mm-hmm. and have known, but we have to be reminded about them, don't mm-hmm. we? And we have to recognize, like I said, the spiritual battle behind the scenes mm-hmm. that the uh, it's not just oh we're justified feeling fearful or stressed because it, the enemy doesn't care that we're justified he just wants to get ground any way he can and so we've got to recognize that, well, even if we're justified in our fear or stress you know we're watching the news and you think well anyone would be fearful but we've got to recognize that that gives the enemy ground and and that we're not going to um, be lights to draw people to Revival. If we look just as fearful and stressed as everyone else, you know, and in these times, in these times, the gospel has to be even more uh, important to people who are in fear. If you think about, put your yourself in the position of a person who does not know the Lord, who's not heard the gospel, and are and they're experiencing the same things that we're experiencing. Can you imagine? the fear that those folks have. Oh, that should absolutely. that should lead us to be compassionate mm-hmm. and reach out more than we ever and have. And have God's heart. You know, I spend a lot of time talking about how one of the ways that we grow in intimacy with God is having his heart. What is his heart toward yourself? What is your heart? his heart toward other people, toward Israel, toward the millennium, mm-hmm. the, uh, the end times? And so when we uh, align our hearts with how he feels... So even when we're down on ourselves, that blocks intimacy with God because that's not how he sees us. Or when we're down on or bashing other people that we don't agree with, that's not God's heart toward them. His heart is always love and to bless them. And he's always with us. I remember mm-hmm. the, the Great Commission. Uh, he says, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so we're not to do that on our own power, our own strength, but he is there with us, doing it through us, mm-hmm. providing that we're yielded to him. Right. And I was believing a lie when I was in so much fear that because these were these shaking end times, it was almost like God was just waiting for those times to be over and that somehow he wasn't with mm. me anymore. You know, he's just kind of watching from the sidelines going, okay, I'm, I'm coming back at the end of it, but in, in the midst yeah. of it, you're on your own. Yeah. The, the Great Commission is prefaced by Jesus saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Then he says, go ye therefore. And the therefore is because of what he just said, that all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. We have confidence in his power and he is in control. Mm -hmm. And we just need to be yielded in doing his will in our life and in our times. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and I also go into an an action plan in the book. And I spend spend time talking about the biblical feasts, the Jewish roots of our faith, because that's, again, you know, what are these feasts about, and, and, um, and what's God's heart toward them, and he's passionate toward them. And so I, I spend a lot of time in the action plan giving very specific steps for how do we align with these aspects of God's heart, his heart toward Israel, his heart toward um, righteousness and, and uh, the end times. And the so feasts. it's a great book titled Unshaken. Where can people get it? Well, they can get it on, uh, at uh, any Christian bookstore on Amazon on my website com, J-E-A-N-N-E-N-I-G-R-O.com 
and uh, and I encourage you to pick it up, especially these days of the shaking is increasing mm, every day. Right. We yeah. all need to be standing strong a, and being light. Has a the great. Light picture on the front cover of the book of the parched earth that's cracked and dry and yet there's this green tree that must have deep roots that's growing out of this parched ground mm-hmm. yes that no matter what is going on around us and i have to share don't uh, write a book and call it unshaken because after i wrote this book everything in my life that could be shaken was shaken and in every instance that the lord was speaking to me you can be unshaken. And I'd say even in this, yes, even in this. That's right. Well, the book is Unshaken. Jeannie Nigro, thank you so much for stopping by. We're at the Values Voter Summit here in Washington, D.C. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Well, Rich, we're, we're back here. Uh, we're on the floor of the exhibit hall where we do our recording here at the Values Voter Summit. Boy, what exciting morning. You want to tell our listeners a little bit well, about we that? Well, we just heard from uh, the President of the United States, Donald Trump, speak, and he did just a terrific job. Oh, yeah, just a tr- I mean, it's standing ovation after standing ovation, and, and he just ticked off so many accomplishments that are that are beneficial to keeping the door of religious liberty open. And I've, I've often thought if we could have a president that keeps the door of religious liberty open, then the church can go through that door and do the work that only the church can do. And uh, as you know, Evan, we've been praying for a Great Awakening-style revival that will sweep our land. And uh, we have a guest today that, that was on a panel discussion right, George, also. Just and, prior to the president. Right, and Vicki Hartzler was on that uh, panel from Missouri and, and several others. And this is Congressman Mike Johnson. I'll let you take That's it right. from here. Well, Mike, uh, you know, I, I wasn't, until this morning, really wasn't familiar with you. Mm-hmm. But I was very impressed with the things you had to say. Uh, just very articulate statement of the things that are really important to us. And, and one of the things I didn't know about you is that you were with uh, ADF, Alliance Defense, Defending Freedom, for how long? I was, about 12 years. Oh. I was one of the um, one of the original attorneys when we started it out and uh, worked with them for a long time. I peeled off to do some Christian law school stuff and some other religious liberty work and then wound up in Congress by way of the state legislature in Louisiana. But it was a great background to have at the Alliance Defense Fund, Alliance Defending yeah, Freedom, as we call called, it now. Right, yeah. right. Still ADF in my heart. Uh, they, they've done great work. And, and we mentioned on the panel this morning, you know, years ago we would be in pulpits on Sunday doing uh, guest, guest sermons and and we would talk about the, the impending threats to religious liberty. And 20 years ago, people said, eh, I don't know if that's really going to happen. And now we're seeing everything come to fruition. Oh, yeah. It's really used happening. To, I, I don't, we used to ha- air a, bro- a broadcast with Marlon Maddox called Point oh, of yeah. View. And Marlon used to talk about seeing the storm clouds on the horizon. He was right. But now we're starting to see those storm clouds rain. It's starting to, we're starting to feel the rain from that. The area that you represent in, in northwest Louisiana is Shreveport, Louisiana. That's right. Shreveport. So that's just down the road from our station there in Long View and Tyler. That's right. That's so, right. Um, we, we need to we need to get bought all over the state of Louisiana because it's. I mentioned at the break, it's fertile ground. Uh, lots of good God-fearing folks down there. They believe in traditional values, and um, and, and your voices be so well, important. We're going to try to make that happen. That's the Lord right. has been blessing, and we're expanding, and we I may be it. able to do. Love that. it, Mike. One of the things that we were at the at the uh, Capitol last night, and we were we were at a dinner, and we listened to some of, some of the other folks talking about, uh, and it came up again this morning, and that's the issue of the sixty vote rule in the Senate. Oh, you in the House have been busy. You have passed somewhere around 377 bills, if the number right. if that number is right. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of really important things that need to get done. Can you tell us about that? But most importantly, 
those of those who are listening, there's some things that you can do to help uh, make that happen. But explain that briefly, and then what, what can listeners do to, to help that happen? Yeah. Well, th- these are the archaic rules that we have to contend with in the Senate, and and it, we say archaic. They really only date back a few decades. This is this is not founders era stuff. This is not in the Constitution. Right. It's rules that were created some some of these in the 70s, and 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 to put it in layman's terms, it it disallows uh, majority vote on major pieces of legislation. The only way that we're able to get some of our landmark pieces through is under the reconciliation process, which is kind of an exception to the regular rule. Under the regular rule, they can filibuster anything, and it takes 60 votes to bring something up for real debate. Uh, we, we have a 52-vote majority of Republicans in the Senate, but we haven't been able to use it very effectively because all you, if you lose one or two or three of those, then right. you're done. And that's what we saw happen with the health care vote, the, the fate of that uh, effort. And, and we're we're, we're, we're careful and cautious about tax reform, which comes next, because we're, we're deeply concerned about losing a couple of folks on our side because we're trying to get that done through reconciliation. Now, the question that I asked last night, was it was a follow-up to somebody asking a question about that, but is how are we going to get that done? How are we going to get that changed? And, cause, and there are some people that fear, even Republicans who fear, if that rule is changed, that the Democrats come back and use it against us. Well, I, we hear that argument all the time, and I've talked to Senate leadership about this. I mean, I'm, I'm a lowly member of Congress as a freshman, right? I got elected in December. Uh, but but there's a, a growing chorus of voices in the House who have, we've really reached our limit on this. Our patience oh, is yes. run out. Okay, yes. we, We're doing the hard work in the House. We're taking the arrows. We're passing landmark reform legislation. And it's literally sitting in a hopper in the Senate. They don't have the political will or courage or the procedural ability to be able to take it up. So desperate times call for desperate measures. I, I made the argument to Senate leadership myself. Look, there's no doubt that if and when the Democrats take control of the Senate again, that they, I believe they're going to do it anyway. They're going to do it anyway. If we don't do it right now, we have a historic opportunity right now. We That's have right. got to it's take a window. It is. Well, tell us about the spiritual climate that you're uh, seeing on Capitol Hill. Uh, you, you say you're a freshman. You said you're elected in December. How does that work? Because most people were elected in November. Well, in Louisiana, we do everything differently. We have a little <laughs> bit late election cycle. We have the, the big jungle primary system, and so that, that puts our runoff in December. So in November is our jungle primary. Um, by God's grace, we wound up winning with the largest winning percentage in 50 years in my district. And so um, it was. we believe my wife and I are prayerfully considered running and got into this on a prayer and, and, and the Lord blessed. And well, there's something called the prayer caucus in, right. in, the, in the house. I'm part of that. And, and, and uh, for our listeners, d- describe what you're finding in, in terms of the spiritual climate. I tell you, people say, what's the most surprising thing about being in Congress? And to me, that's been one of the most delightful surprises is the number of committed uh, Bible-believing Christians who serve in the Congress, who are who are here for the right reason, dedicated to the causes that we believe in, the principles that we believe in, that we're trying to defend, and and that we we get together regularly and encourage one another. The prayer caucus is one example. There are a number of Bible studies. When I came in as a freshman, and everybody found out I was one of those uh, evangelicals. I probably got a dozen invitations to individual small group Bible studies among members. Oh, wow. It was just so gratifying to be encouraged by people who share your faith. You know, and Vicki Hartzler on this panel said something to the effect that, you, in talking to the audience, you need to consider running for office, whether it's on the mm-hmm. school board or the county commission or what have you. We need more people with these kinds of biblical values uh, involved in the political process. I tell you, that is how we're ultimately going to turn the country around. It, it's a spiritual right. well, that, revival. Well, that and revival. Yeah, exactly question. right. Spiritual revival and, and those who will carry that conviction 
into the public square, into the arena of public policy, doing what you all is so important, getting the word out, encouraging the, the, the troops, and then having some of those step up and offer themselves for office. It's not an easy road. We all know that. It's a vitriolic environment. But it is a great time to be alive if you have the answers. Mm. And we have the eternal answers. That's what's so encouraging about it. One of the things that came out this morning was a discussion about this case uh, of a, uh, a bakery or mm-hmm. a baker in sure. Colorado whose case is going to be coming before the Supreme Court in early December. Tell us about that and why that one is so important. This one will be seismic. And, you know, I, my background's in constitutional law, as right. you mentioned, and, and I litigated religious liberty cases, landmark cases for 20 years before I got here. This one could be for all the marbles. And I don't think that's an overstatement. The Masterpiece Cake Shop uh, decision will uh, will come down maybe by the end of this year, early next year. It'll be heard uh, probably in November, oral argument. But this is the, the, the infamous or famous case of the, the baker in Colorado, a mild-mannered Christian man. Y'all know the story well. And he, he just politely declined to offer, offering his artistic uh, uh, talents to create a cake, a masterpiece cake, as it were, for a same-sex wedding ceremony. He he treated them with respect and dignity, as we all should as Christians. He offered them other products on the shelf there, and he, and he offered to send them and refer them to others. He just could not violate his deepest-held religious conviction to participate in the ceremony. And we have lost that case all the way through the appellate court system. Wow. And we're at the Supreme Court. This can be for all the marbles. And you know what's interesting, too, is that the other side just does not understand mm. what, why he would make that kind of a decision right. and why he would take that kind of a stand. And it goes right back to what Rich was talking about a few moments ago, and that's how important religious liberty is. And, and tell us about what the president said this morning about, about that issue, if you would. He reiterated that theme, and he brought up, of course, the, the repeal of the Johnson Amendment, which we're working on. I'm, I'm a co-sponsor of that one as well. And we, we're trying to unshackle the voice of the church for, for generation, a generation, decades now, since the 50s when uh, Lyndon Johnson put into the Internal Revenue Code a vendetta he had against some churches in Houston. You know the story. He puts into the Internal Revenue Code that 501c3s, churches and other nonprofits, cannot engage in political advocacy or however that's interpreted. The IRS has used that as a weapon against people of faith, and they have censored and silenced a generation of clergy, pastors and rabbis and priests who would otherwise go and and share their truth about moral and social values. They actually have been they actually believe that they have to keep that to themselves and they can't even reference it sometime in the pulpit. So we've been trying to challenge the IRS and get this matter in court for years. The Alliance Defending Freedom, we have Pulpit Freedom Sunday, and you all yes. know every fall, and we've had thousands of pastors record their sermons and mail them into yeah, the IRS yeah. and say, come Try get it. it. They won't <laughs> they because don't. they know it's an unconstitutional restriction. So we filed legislation to finally repeal that. I'm so grateful to hear the president who's full-throated endorsement of that idea. Mm-hmm. He says we, un- the president of the United States says we want to unleash the voice of the pulpit again. He's the first one who's yes. ever even brought that up. It's fantastic. You know? and, and he's got uh, a growing chorus in the House that will help do that. Oh, and he got a standing ovation for the uh, Supreme Court nominee. Uh, yes, and that is now the Justice, uh, Justice uh, Gorsuch, Neil, Neil yeah. Gorsuch. And uh, there are so many other judicial uh, appointments that are, that are stacking up. And, and the Senate needs to speed up their pace to get those all done because you, you don't know how long of a window this is going to be uh, where you have both the House and the Senate and the presidency to, uh, to make these kinds of uh, uh, appointments. Critical that we use our majority to get these appointments through. As you all know, the longest-lasting legacy of any president is who he puts on the federal courts and the Supreme Court and on down. And there, there are just stacks and stacks of all-star nominations and that have already been named, nominees that are in the hopper waiting for action. We have got to get the Senate to act on this because it's critical. So you're a freshman. How did you decide to run for office? Uh, it was a, it, 
literally was a call of, of, of the Lord. I mean, it's from the time I was in seventh grade, I'm a fireman's son. I'm the first college graduate in my family, and I, I was going to be a fireman until my father was critically disabled and, and, um, and, and burned 80% of his body mm. in a fire back in the 80s. So they directed our path differently. I wound up going to law school. And since I was a little guy, they always said, oh, you need to be a lawyer. You need to be a politician. <laughs> I don't like the word politician. I like the word statesman. And, and um, so we, we kind of, I guess, leaned in that direction. I had great counsel over my life. Alan Sears of the Alliance Defending Freedom and so many others. Tony Perkins, who's like yes. a big brother to me, came yeah. up from Louisiana. And, and I sort of followed in that model, took wise counsel, and we wound up here. And it's, yeah. it's a great blessing. Now, across the state line there, where uh, Longview Tyler is, I think that's uh, Louis Gohmert territory. It is. He's in our neighboring. They love Louie back yes, home. Right. Yes, yes. Yeah. Ima- have you had a chance to, to connect with him? Oh, absolutely. I imagine he's on your same team. Oh, he is. We're at all the same meetings and uh, cooking up all the same trouble. Well, we're talking with Representative Mike Johnson fr- uh, from Louisiana, and we just have a, about a minute and a half, a couple of minutes left here. You know, one of the things that, that has struck me, uh, the more I listen and the more I watch what's going on here is that this is a spiritual battle, whether you're talking about what's going to happen in the Supreme Court with this case out of Colorado. Uh, and as Tony Perkins said this morning, he made kind of an analogy. He said, when you when you throw a rock into a pigsty, <laughs> the one that squawks the loudest is the one that got hit. Squeals. And, uh, right. Squeals, yeah. <laughs> and, and in this, and, and what we're seeing is a lot of, uh, a lot of blowback from mm-hmm. all of the policy changes that are just rolling down the road as a result of this new administration. Tell us about... Just briefly, the, the, the spiritual battle and, and why it's so important that our listeners are on their knees frequently about all of these issues. Well, listen, it is a spiritual battle. Everything that happens here, uh, we have to be covered in prayer. And we, 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 in the prayer caucus and among other members, a lot of Americans don't know this, but after every first vote on a Monday, when we fly back in, we go into the uh, majority leader's office and we kneel in prayer oh, over the nation, over our votes, the work of the week, and the good of the American people. And, and, and you know, Second Chronicles says it well, if his people who are called by his name, humble themselves and pray. God wants to intervene in our circumstances, and he does routinely, and it's so encouraging to see that happening here, but it only happens when the, our, his people do what we're called to do, and that's, that's right. critically important, and, and I'm so grateful you, you brought that up. President, um, President Trump, just a moment ago, he had a line. He said, in America, we don't worship government. We worship God. That's right. Amen. And, right. and, and our rights don't derive from government. They derive oh, from God, as we know from the Declaration. Governments are established to protect and preserve those yeah, rights. Exactly right. Well, Representative Mike Johnson, you, you are one of the good guys and gals in Congress, and we thank you for the work that you're doing here, and we appreciate you taking time to uh, to get to, to, to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better. And, and uh, folks, please pray for Mike and pray for the rest who are who are working hard and, and praying for this country. We so appreciate it. Well, I so appreciate you. I've been a fan of the Bot Radio Network my whole adult life, and I'm, I'm so grateful for the contribution you've made, and keep it up. Thank you, Congressman. Well, Rich, this has been this has been great. We're going to have more coming in the next few days. Well, we're here at the Values Voter Summit in Washington, D.C. That's right. What a privilege. Well, uh, thank you all for listening today. We'll be back with more in the next couple of days, as I said. For Bot Radio Network, this is Evan Fowler. And Rich Bot.